Welcome to the City Temple live stream today. This is just one part of our Sunday worship gathering. And if you'd like to join us for our whole service via Zoom, then please email us at info at city-temple.com. It is a blessing and a privilege now to sit underneath Pastor Rod's teaching today. So we thank you for joining us in Jesus' name. Turning on your microphone is usually very important. Uh, it's amazing how how many things you forget. It's the uh, it's the standard joke now. You know they say when you have when you've had COVID, there's you know it affects a lot of things. Uh, I mean the first thing is your memory. So anyway, uh, so. Uh, you know, uh, when you've had COVID, they say it affects a lot of things. The first thing is your memory. And uh, anyway, sorry, apologies. We were uh, having a meal with uh, Amy's family uh, last, uh, last Sunday. And uh, her younger sister, Susie, uh, she's, she's a sucker for dad jokes. Uh, and so it just brings out the worst in me. Uh, and you just can't. You know, I, I've, I practiced this week on, the, uh, on the, the doctor that I saw on Friday. I mean, he laughed. Uh, so I've gotten a lot of good laughs out of that joke. Uh, and, you know, because it involves the memory, I figure I could let that go around another three, four hundred times before uh, it gets really old. So we'll, we'll see. But, uh, oh, gosh, less things de descend into real chaos. Let's go to the scriptures today. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Uh, starting with verse 1, down to verse 41, kind of a long passage, uh, and uh, we're going to look at this passage here today. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray now that you'd speak to our hearts and minds in the power of your Holy Spirit through your word. And I pray, Lord God, that by your Holy Spirit, I proclaim your word to your people today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pardon me. Starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues 
the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ears to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes of the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I, say, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Uh, many, many apologies for that. <clears throat> well, this is one of the great times of the year, or I guess we'll see this week how great it actually is. Uh, it's uh, one of those things that happens every four years, uh, maybe every five, if uh, you have a pandemic that interferes with it. Of course, everybody knows I'm talking about the Euros. Uh, I love this time of year because it's, it's the one time where if I have my windows open in my house and I'm watching England play, I feel like I'm gathering together with a whole stadium full of people because I can hear every house in our neighborhood uh, cheering or groaning with the play. And, uh, and, and I really love to see fans talking about their team. You know, they'll, they'll interview and they'll say, well, what do you think, you know, England's chances are? And they'll say, well, you know, and I'm talking about a fan here. I'm not talking about a player. They'll say, well, you know, uh, I'm really nervous about going into the penalties, you know, so I'm hoping that we don't get the penalties. But I'm pretty confident, like, if, if we can really work hard and score one more goal than the other team, we're going to win. I mean, and it's, it's so funny because you get what they're saying. It's like, we. I mean, there's no we in this, people. I want to yell at them on the TV. I say, you're not going to be on the field. You know, and yet, what, what's happening here? Everybody gets so caught up with their team. You know, the rises and falls. I mean, they get so immersed in the whole football experience. You know, all the people that went to get jabs yesterday up at Arsenal because they get a free stadium tour along with a jab. I mean, if I'd known that, I would have waited for mine. You know, I thought, hey, this would be great. You know, so we just kind of get, get immersed in all of this. And actually, this is a trend that's been going on for a number of years now, but it's going to escalate in the future. The trend being that people are paying more now for an experience than they want to pay for a thing. You know, so people are wanting to save their money and take a holiday. I mean, why, why did the servers almost crash when countries were added to the green list? Because people want to take the holiday. They want to get out. They want to have the experience. It's not just the wonders of Spain, although I understand it's pretty wonderful from uh, you know, those who grew up there and uh, lived there and have their roots there. Uh, it's not just the wonders of, of warmer weather. It's they, they want to get out and there's that whole experience of, of the warmth, the heat, the, the, the drinks on the beach. And, uh, and even you ever notice 
that what often happens, and I certainly see this with Spain, Portugal, and other places, that a lot of times people from the same country, they all gather together. Right? So, so you know, normally I go to another country and I'm thinking, I want to meet, you know, people from that country. I want to interact with them and everything like that. But a lot of times people will take a holiday and what do they do? They find the, the English pub on the Spanish coast. And I'm, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm not criticizing that. But, but there's, there's a dynamic that's going on there because people not only want an immersive experience, they want to have that immersive experience with other people that, that share, you know, kind of the same language, the same values, and things like that. And that is going to increase. Uh, there's predictions that virtual reality uh, will become uh, a very, very major thing in the next five years or so. And uh, they're already having uh, the kind of experiences. There are some companies where uh, instead of a Zoom call, you get set up in a VR headset and you, you actually feel like you're sitting in the room with the other people that you're meeting with, even though you're meeting from different places around the world. And the technology is there and the technology is growing. So people are looking for these kinds of experiences and they're getting more and more desired and people are willing to pay for them. And you know, sometimes it makes me wonder if one of the reasons why many people, many more people are not following Jesus or many people who start to follow Jesus, they kind of fall away from following Jesus because they've not really immersed themselves in the experience and immersed themselves in the story. Now remember these last number of weeks, we've been talking about how the stories or the narratives that you hear and you believe will influence the way that you live your life. Economically right now, one of the big narratives that is out there is inflation. And whether or not, and, and inflation is happening, but the problem is when people start telling the story of inflation, they will, it will eventually cause people to behave economically in ways that actually start to cause inflation. And that's one of the dynamics that happens. We hear the stories and we generally then behave according to the stories, just like everybody ran out and stocked up on toilet paper at the beginning of the first lockdown in the pandemic when we didn't really have to worry about that issue, as we later discovered. But because people got so panicked by the story, they created the problem. So the stories we hear, the stories we believe are very important, and the story, everybody will base their life on a narrative, on a story. There are a lot of people today that base their life on the narrative of evolution. That the universe just happened into being and over the course of time, uh, the earth was formed and then these, this little life form began to, to grow and then through natural selection, it began to evolve into more complex life forms 
and get into the world that we have today. And they see that as the overarching story. But if that's the story that you believe, it will influence your values and the way you live your life. There were many people around the turn of the 1900s and into the early 1900s until Hitler made it a little unpopular that began to say what we need to do because we've all evolved is that we need to start selectively breeding people so we can breed out the defects and create a master race. And Hitler was not the only person to believe this. Hitler was the one who made it unpopular to believe it. But there are a lot of scholars, people that today we base programs here in the UK on, who had this belief. And let me tell you, skin color was one of the factors that they considered. And it shows the consequences of the larger stories that we believe. And we will live on the basis of that story. And that's why, as Christians, we need to know that our story is God's story. It makes sense historically. It makes sense scientifically. It makes sense experientially. And knowing that we're part of that story, knowing where we've come from, knowing where we are, and know where we're going is absolutely essential for living our lives according to Jesus Christ and in a way that will bring positive change and influence in the world around us. It's about the stories that we believe. But the problem is so often that many Christians either don't really believe the story or they haven't really immersed themselves in the story, the story of Jesus, God's story, the story of God's history. For many, the story, the, the story of the church, the story of Jesus, the story of God, is just one of many stories that they have, that they follow. For others who are rather committed, they might follow the story that is a story based on their imagination, not based on the historical Jesus. I see this all the time, and many times you'll get it uh, with people who say, well, you know, Jesus was just all about love. You know, and it doesn't really make any difference what you do as long as we love each other. Now, any reading of Jesus will read one, yeah, Jesus was all about love, but that's not what Jesus meant. And so many people have created a Jesus of their imagination, and it's really hard. You can immerse yourself in your imagination, but as we'll see, it's very hard to keep up that story because ultimately you know it's one of your imagination. Or for some people, they want the story to be subject to their own terms and conditions. Like, okay, God, I'll be part of this story, but I don't want to suffer. Uh, I don't want to marry somebody who's ugly. And I don't want a bad job. But, you know, if you help me marry someone beautiful and get a really good job, then I'll follow you anywhere. But the problem is you can't do that. You know, we enter God's story on His terms, not on our terms. But what we need is to learn how to immerse ourselves 
into God's story. And in fact, that's the call. Not only immerse ourselves in terms of our mind, but also in terms of our experience. And I think this chapter, this first chapter, of, uh, second chapter of Acts, this passage we read today, uh, not only is, you know, what happened on the day of Pentecost, but really tells us a lot about how we immerse ourselves into God's story and how it's done and why it's so important. And so I'd like to suggest three things kind of coming out of this passage. The first is, in order to immerse ourselves in God's story, we need to strap ourselves in. It's kind of like if you're going on a roller coaster, and let me tell you, if you follow Jesus for any length of time, it's a bit like a roller coaster. Sometimes you go really fast. Sometimes it feels like you're just going uphill. Like right now in my life, I feel like I'm on the uphill part of the roller coaster. It's just like clunk, 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 clunk. I feel that especially when I walk up the stairs. You know, it's just like old man. Ah! Clunk, clunk, clunk. But you know something? I've learned something about roller coasters. The longer it takes to get you up to the top, the faster it's going to go when you get over the, over the, the summit there. And so it, and it's kind of getting scary, okay? So we're ka-clunking, ka-clunking. I feel like some of that is the church, right? We're kind of ka-clunking a little bit, kind of growing up with COVID and all this stuff going on. Uh, and, uh, and so we need to strap ourselves in. Because one thing, and I haven't learned this from experience, but I know others have, that uh, if you're not strapped in, you'll fall out. Right? So we got to strap ourselves in, metaphorically speaking. But how do we strap ourselves in? Well, we can see what the disciples were doing. You know, the first way we strap ourselves in is to make sure that we're united with God's people. The thing about God's story, uh, when you immerse yourself in God's story, you don't immerse yourself by yourself. You're with God's people. Now, we're a bunch of folks that go and, and, and we're in, in foreign territory, but we like to hang out from time to time. You know, so we gather around the table, the communion table, like we'll do next week. So you've got to be united with God's people. As it says there, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. And then the second thing, if to strap ourselves in, we have to be united with God's people in obedience to God. What did Jesus say? He said, hey guys, hang out in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what were they doing? They were hanging out in Jerusalem just like Jesus told them to do. They didn't decide, hey, let's go up and do some fishing at Galilee. We like that so much. They weren't doing that. They were hanging out in one place in obedience to Jesus. You'll never be fully immersed in God's story if you're not in obedience to Jesus. You can't be doing your own thing. You can't be living your own life your own way and expect to experience anything of the story of God in your life. So they were united with God's people. They were united in obedience. And they were willing to surrender to God's disruption. 
So there they were. They were having a nice little prayer meeting, nice and quiet, right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? They hear the rushing mighty wind. It feels like the whole place is shaking. They see tongues of fire landing on people. And then they start speaking in very strange languages that they don't understand. Now, in this case, they would have recognized the language, but, uh, but they would have said, well, you know, how, how is it that I'm speaking such fluent Spanish? I've never been to Spain. You know, I've not been to Germany. How can I speak German? All these different tongues and dialects. The only thing is they had their accent. So it must have been kind of silly, you know, hearing somebody speaking German with a Southern American accent would be, uh, y'all, uh, whatever. Uh, so, but the problem here is that God disrupted their lives. God disrupted their prayer meeting. God disrupted their nice orderly existence, shook things up, and changed them forever. And so when you strap yourself in, you're saying, okay, God, I'm ready for the roller coaster. You can disrupt my life any way you want to disrupt my life. There was a comedian back in the 1980s in the States. Uh, he used to say, he used to say, you know, God can do anything he wants in my life. If he wants to strip me naked and paint me blue and hang me upside down from a tree, he can do that. Of course, I might ask him for some identification first. No, but God can do that. And you've got to be willing to say, okay, God, however you want to disrupt my life is okay. I'm willing to go for this disruption. And to strap ourselves in, we need to expect to be misunderstood or mocked. You just got to expect that. I remember when I got my doctorate, uh, I graduated, and the first time I, I was back to my uh, parents' house, <clears throat> See, my parents, you know, the first thing my dad asked me, he said, okay, can you earn more money now? You know, because his thing was about me earning money. And uh, I said, well, no, probably less <laughs> now that I paid for this thing. Now, people are going to misunderstand you. And sometimes people are going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you because you follow Jesus. They're going to mark you as stupid or foolish, or uneducated. And you have to be willing and expecting to be misunderstood or mocked. So we strap ourselves in. Then the second thing we need to do is what I say, get located. Get located. It's kind of about knowing where you are and knowing a bit where you're going. But the question is, how do you know where you are and how do you know where you're going? Now, obviously, there, every year people get lost in the woods and sometimes they die because they end up going around in circles and they can't figure out where they are or where they're going. And there are many people who live their lives like that, frankly. They live their lives like someone who's lost in the woods and you see them circle around to the same bad habits, the same broken relationships, uh, the same failed jobs, you know, and it's, it's a tragedy. And this is even Christians I'm talking about, let alone non-Christians. So we need to get located. How do we need to get located? Well, let's look what Peter did. 
He located their experience, what was happening to them. We saw their, uh, their praising God in tongues, languages that they don't know. The people, the crowds gathered around. And so Peter has to find out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how do I understand where I am and where we're going? Well, the first thing he does, he locates his experience in the Scripture. He goes to the Bible. And he says, hey guys, this is what's happening. This is what Joel said was going to happen. That's what you're seeing right now. What Joel prophesied hundreds of years ago is now coming to pass. Or if you want to understand, okay, this Jesus character, you know, where, where does he come from? Well, this is what David was talking about. So he locates himself he locates their experience in the Bible, in the Scriptures, and he comes to understand his experience through the lens of the Scripture, not the lens of the world or the lens of other people. That's essential for us. Well, let me give you some examples of this. Uh, example one, what do you do when people abandon you? I mean, over the years... I've had a number of people that I've really poured my life into. And some of you know these people. But people I've poured my life into, that I've loved them and I've spent time with them, and they just walk away. Or sometimes they walk away and they never speak to me again. Or sometimes I've had people that I really committed a lot to that end up betraying me or stabbing me in the back. Now I could easily go and say, well, those are terrible people. And God must be a terrible God to allow those people in. You know, I could go around and say, well, the church is an awful church. Uh, or any number of things that people always do. But you know what I do? I say, well, you know, you look here. Jesus had 12 really close friends. Three that were super close. Out of the 12 that were the closest in his circle, one betrayed him. One denied him and nine of them abandoned him at the point of his deepest need, and only one was with him when he was crucified. So if Jesus went through this, I can expect to go through this. And even though it's terrible and miserable, and it's not something that God would want us to do, at the same time, I can see it in the pages of Scripture and understand. Or what about a husband and wife when they're quarreling on Sunday? Because that's one of the most common days for Christian couples to quarrel is Sunday mornings before church. How do you understand that? Well, you could look at your spouse and say, what an idiot. Not recommended. Or you could say some hateful, hurtful things. Again, not recommended. Or you can look at the Bible and say, well, in the Bible... Who wants to mess with me on a Sunday morning before we go to church? Well, I think that qualifies as Satan. So maybe instead of fighting each other, we've got a demon enemy that we need to fight in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or what happens when you're suffering? Most of us, we tend to put suffering in the same category. It hurts, it's unpleasant, and it's somebody else's fault. But the Bible teaches us to look differently at suffering. 
It says, hey, if you're suffering for sin, just grin and bear it, suffer your consequences and learn from it so you don't do it again because it's nobody's fault but yours. If you're suffering because you're doing good, rejoice because God's going to build your character and keep on doing good. If you're suffering because you're being persecuted, well, rejoice because you're being treated like Jesus was treated. And so if we locate ourselves and our experience in the Scripture, the Bible will often give us insights that actually will help us avoid making really terrible decisions. You know, how many times have a couple chosen to get divorced because they were arguing all the time, never realizing that their arguments wasn't because of character flaws in each other, it was because of demonic activity in their marriage that they could have dealt with. Now, so we have to see our experience through the lens of scriptures. We also, as Peter did, need to locate our experience in the reality of Jesus. You know, Peter said, this is all about Jesus. This is the Jesus that we've seen. This is the Jesus we've heard. This is the Jesus. And the first thing he does is locate himself in relationship to the Jesus of history. The one the Bible has revealed, not the one we've made up in our minds. We need to see Jesus as he really is in the pages of Scripture. And then, and only then, can we locate ourselves in terms of the Jesus of our experience. There's a lot of people who worship a Jesus made up in their minds, but if you do that, your experience won't follow. The first thing, we have to be sure we're following the Jesus of the Bible, and then we see that Jesus in terms of the fact that he's our friend, he's our savior, he's our leader, he's our Lord. And as we do this, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us direction and shows us which way to go and shows us where we are. So you don't have to be really clever to figure this out. The Holy Spirit, if you got a Bible and you got Jesus, the Holy Spirit will show you what to do and how to figure it out. So we need to strap ourselves in. We need to, we need to uh, locate, get located. And then we need to jump in with both feet. We need to jump in with both feet. You notice what happens here. Peter, he gives the, the talk. The Holy Spirit's working. And people immediately respond and say, okay, what do we need to do? When you see God's story, when you know God's story, God's story always demands a response. Now for some people, the response is to walk away. Some people just will refuse to follow Jesus. Other people will wholeheartedly commit themselves to following Jesus. Like Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, one of the ways he defines revival is as the removal of apathy. You see, when revival comes, people can't be lukewarm about Jesus. 
Either you're all in or you're all out. There's none of this tiptoeing around the sidelines or just dangling your feet in the waiting pool. You know, I learned that a little bit. We were up in Scotland a few years ago. We're standing out on a beach, and I was looking down, uh, and uh, the, the, the ocean was a little tumultuous, but I was looking down, and there was some sea foam there around my feet, and it was kind of coming in and going out, and, and I got my waders on and everything, so I'm not too concerned about getting wet. And I, I'm looking there and say, well, oh, this is kind of nice. This is really, it's kind of fun. I, I, the sea foam is kind of interesting. And so I'm looking down all the time, and then all of a sudden I hear Karen say, run! And, uh, and so I, 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 was, I was wise enough not to look, but just to turn and run, because she was running so fast. She got, I mean, she was way beyond me by the time I started responding. And I turned around. Thankfully, I was next to a rock, because the next thing I knew, a big wave came in. I mean, a huge wave that got me all above my waist, and, uh, and it was only us holding on to that rock that actually kept us from being swept out to sea. And that's the thing. When you're following Jesus, you've got to be careful not to just be looking down at the sea foam. Because if you're going to follow Jesus, eventually the wave is going to come in. And it's going to take everything. It's going to completely immerse you. And you'll walk around like I did, squish, 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 squish for some time to dry out. So, we need to respond, and we need to respond immersively or walk away. So how do we respond immersively? Well, we do what Peter tells us to. He said, first of all, repent. Repent. Now, of course, we think of repentance, and rightly so, in terms of uh, turning away from our sin. But repentance is more than just turning away from what's wrong. Sometimes repentance is turning away from those stories that do not deserve to have ultimate allegiance in our lives. Repentance is turning away from the story that, that says, oh, well, I'm nothing more than a worker. Or I'm nothing more than a daughter or father, a husband, wife, whatever. I'll never amount to anything. There's so many lies and so many stories that we tell ourselves that are not true. And when we repent, it's saying, I don't want any of the story to define me except for the story of the story of Jesus Christ. So we repent. And yes, we turn away from our sins as well. We repent and we are baptized. Uh, being baptized, we know, and there's debates, you know, about can somebody be sprinkled or do they have to be dunked or can they just be poured on, uh, you know, and we're not going to deal with those uh, different, different kinds of things. Right now, though, being baptized is really about, in, in this context, being immersed, but being immersed in God's story. Baptism as a sacrament is an outward sign that you've said, okay, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm following you. You are my leader. You are my Lord. I'm part of your story, and your story is the divining story of my life. 
And so not only do we repent of all those other substandard stories, but we also say, I'm all in, Jesus. 100%, both feet, I'm diving in. And then we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And this is so key, because I talk to a lot of Christians who keep trying to carry their sins with them even after they've repented. When you repent, you are forgiven. You are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ that Jesus shed on the cross for you. Don't keep picking up your past sins. If you do it again, repent again, but keep walking forward. Because your repentance results in the forgiveness of your sins, which means that your, your sins are released from you. And you are released from them so that they no longer have a hold over your life. So you turn away from the substandard stories. You dive full in, jump full in to Jesus' story. You leave your sins behind. Don't pick them up and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because you need Him in order to be immersed in the story. And it's the Holy Spirit who continually immerses us as we live our lives. If you find that you're going into a, a tough business meeting, maybe a tough meeting with your coworkers, well, it's time to take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, come and flood me right now so that I can do my best in this meeting and I can represent Jesus Christ to my coworkers even if I never say His name. It means when you have a problem at work to figure out, ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit. It means when you're dealing with uh, a spouse or a coworker who's having a tough time, say, Holy Spirit, come and give me a word of knowledge. Help me to understand what they're going through or give me a message of prophecy that I can give to them in a gentle way that will encourage them and strengthen them right now. You know, a lot of times, the reason we don't stay immersed in the story is that we're not continually asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to fill us up and to flood us again so that we have the resources we need to do what God's called us to do and that we are remaining connected with the people of God. But we need the Holy Spirit for that. And the great news here is this participation in this story is open to everyone. It's for you. It's for your kids. Your children can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's even for those people who are far off that the Lord God is going to call. And for most of us, we're from pretty far off. And the Lord God has called us here and called us together. And that's an amazing thing. It can only be done by the grace and glory of God. We need to be a people immersed in the story. Fully immersed in the story. I want to say one other thing. is Being fully immersed doesn't mean that every moment of the story is as exciting as the next moment. 
if you think about the roller coaster again, you know, if the roller coaster only went down, we'd die. <laughs> you know, or if it only had the permanent corkscrew. You know, I can almost do that in 3D for everybody on Zoom. <laughs> you know, we'd die now. I mean, we could not live that way. Nobody can live in full-on 100% excitement 100% of the time. Actually, in a roller coaster, it's the smooth places or the slow places that make the fast places and the dips and dives rather exciting. It gives them meaning. And the same is true in life. Karen and I have been married for 36 years, and I've been 36 good years. Some have been very difficult years. But let me tell you, we could not live for 36 years at high intensity, going, ah! all the time. That's just to make sure everybody who's listening on Zoom woke up. You know, we, we couldn't do that. The excitement is given meaning by the seemingly mundane, the everyday. The smooth places make the ups and downs even more exciting and more meaningful. And that's true of all of us. Many times people walk away, they don't stay fully immersed or don't fully immerse themselves into God's story because they expect life to be 100% exciting 100% of the time. But no human being lives that way. Everybody has to have sleep. Everybody has to have rest. Everybody has to have times where they eat. And yes, we all need times of excitement. But we need to understand that when we immerse ourselves in the story of God, that we'll experience all of that over the course of our lives. What gives that story meaning is the fact that we stay in it, that we are faithful in it until the day we die, that we are in it together with other brothers and sisters in Christ, walking in the same way, going through some of the same things, holding us up when we fall, strengthening us when we want to quit, and enabling us to strengthen others when they want to quit. The story that we're in is the greatest story of all, and the only one worthy of our lives in this world, because it lasts for all eternity in Jesus. Join me, and let's jump in both feet and be fully immersed in all God has for us in Jesus. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing us to have an immersive experience with you, to know your amazing love for us, and to know that we're part of a story 
that will last for eternity. Father, help us to be faithful. Help us, Lord, to stay strapped in, connected with your people in obedience. Help us, Lord, to get located in your word, in relationship with Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to turn away from the unworthy stories, to fully jump in and immerse ourselves in your story, to leave that sin behind, and to be filled and continually filled with your Holy Spirit. We love you, we praise you, we worship you, and we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.